Okay, I think we're ready to go. I was expecting this big glowing introduction. Didn't, didn't get it. <laughs> Where's Justin when you need him, right? Okay. Good morning, everybody. Good to see everybody here this morning. Uh, my name is Mike Borden. I'm one of the elders here at Cornerstone, and uh, I'll be bringing the word this morning. Um, yeah, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you today for uh, Jesus, the Son of God, who loves us, as we just sang. Oh, how he loves us. Thank you that you love us, and you love everybody, literally everybody in the world. You love them all. It doesn't matter what's happened, what's gone down. You still love them, and you, your redeeming love is at work all the time. Uh, I pray you'd bless this morning's message, the time we spend here together. I pray you'd open our ears and our hearts, but I pray that the Holy Spirit would, would move around this room and work among us today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Last week... Uh, Tim was here, and uh, by the way, it's nice to see everybody's face, isn't it? Wow, the other day I was at a store, and I, I almost felt guilty for walking in without my mask. You know, I had my mask in my pocket just in case, you know, uh, but it's great to see a lot of faces today, and uh, thank God for his work in this whole situation of the pandemic how he's working, and uh, we pray that we'll all, you know, love each other, work our way through this, respect each other. I think the pandemic, one of the biggest things about the pandemic is the respecting others, isn't it? It's, it's, it's about our own health for sure, but it's not just a, my own deal. It's, it, it affects everybody, so that is really important that we keep doing that as Cornerstone. But yeah, it's great to be here today. Um, I wanted to read... Uh, a passage that uh, Tim read to us last week. He spoke about the, uh, the Samaritan woman at the well. And, but in John 4.24, that very well-known verse, for God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. God is spirit, those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. And in our documents of cornerstone that that outline who we are what we believe and what we stand for as a congregation we have that phrase spirit and truth releasing worship and that's what we're speaking about this month so if you don't get it today hey you'll get it next week or the week after <laughs> but spirit and truth that releases true worship and I believe it's an experience of the spirit and it's an experience of truth that does release us into true worship. And true worship, there's nothing like it. It says in the Bible that uh, a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. To be in the presence of God, to feel the presence of God, to know that you are in the presence of God, those are life-changing moments. And so to enter into that, we want to walk in the spirit and we want to be believing the truth. Um, for me, a uh, little bit of my 
history. I wasn't born and raised in a Christian home. Uh, it was a non-Christian home, if there is such a thing. Uh, there was no emphasis on church, no emphasis on the Bible. I had good parents. I love my parents. We had a lot of junk going on in our family. You know, we were we were pretty messed up, and uh, uh, but I, I love my family, and you know that's where I grew up. So all through high school and everything, I I had no religious not much religious training or understanding. And it was a couple of years after I got out of high school, I was at the University of Idaho, and uh, I was walking up the campus one day past the library. I was going up to my class, my next class, and there was a man standing there with a cardboard box under his arm, and he was pulling out Gideon's New Testaments with Psalms and Proverbs, those little Bibles. And uh, he handed me one as I walked by. And I took it. And later on, I think just because of where I was in life and my age, and I didn't really know much about the Bible at all, one night I just got curious about it, and I got it out, my little Gideon's Bible, went to Matthew chapter 1, King James Version, the telephone book section there, and I just started reading it. And on the first the first uh, night, I read like three uh I read like three chapters, and then the next night I read three chapters. And I just started reading through the New Testament. And during those days, I remember a sense of peace that would come over me. And I remember kind of nodding my head and thinking, yeah, that's, that's really true, what it's saying there. And in awe about who Jesus was, the person of Jesus. So that was kind of my experience where I got baptized into truth. And as time went by, I became a Christian, started to go to church, started out in the Lutheran church, loved the pastor, he was a good man, he was preaching the word, taught me a lot of things. It ended up over the course of the next couple of years, I ended up being in... Um, moving away from Idaho where I grew up and moving to Hawaii, right? Everybody wants to go there. Raise your hand if you'd like to be on that plane or boat. Anyway, I moved to Hawaii, and uh, while I was there, I was uh, praying about joining a church and getting a job and all those things, but it ended up I met some people that were a part of YWAM, Youth with a Mission. That's the mission I've been in pretty much all of my adult life. And uh, I went to some of their events, and it ended up they were having a program called the School of Evangelism. It was going to be a four-month school and then an outreach into some part of the world to proclaim Jesus. I was at the point in my life where I was like, wow, this sounds great. I saved up my money before I moved to Hawaii. I've got money in my pocket. I can pay for it. And so I decided to go to the school. Never thought that's what I would do. One of my, I had some really good roommates during those four months, but one of my roommates was a Pentecostal pastor from the Philippines. His name is Vil Galiza, Villamor Galiza. And uh, Vil was a great guy, good friend. He loved me. I loved him. We had a, a nice connection, uh, became, became best buddies in the school, but Vil 
said, so Mike, what church do you go to? And I said, well, I go to a Lutheran church back in Idaho and, you know, and so he started kind of as a Pentecostal pastor. I don't know if you've ever hung around many, but he started kind of working on me. He said, you know, you, you really need more of an experience with the Holy Spirit, Mike. He said, you should think about it. You know, you should pray about it. You should be open to it. And so a few weeks later, sure enough, there was a, there was a black, African, black African-American. How's that? Okay. He would be black if he's African-American. An African-American speaker named Fred Price, who is uh, quite a, a big name in the charismatic and Pentecostal world. He has been for decades. Very old man now, if he's still alive at all. But he was speaking in Kona, Hawaii, where I was at. And uh, so, Bill uh, kept saying, well, you should go. You should, you should go hear Fred Price speak. And when I went there that night, Fred Price was talking about the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, and the ability to operate in the Spirit, and to walk in the Spirit, and live in the Spirit. And the Lord really touched me that night. He, something happened to me that was very powerful and dynamic, and it felt very supernatural. And so that, for me, was sort of my baptism in the, in the Spirit, in realizing that Christianity, there, there is supposed to be experience in it with God. And that comes through the Holy Spirit. We have received the Holy Spirit and he dwells within us. Imagine, the power of God is shared with us and he lives in us. And so our, that, that brings a dynamism into our life. So, spirit and truth releases true worship, we, we read here. How do we experience truth? I want to give you a couple of practical things that I believe are helpful. This is not an exhaustive list. And as I look around and I see the people that are in this church, I have a lot of people here who really know the Lord and you've walked with the Lord and you know the Word of God. And So it's very humbling to share this. So I'm not telling you this is everything there is to know. These are a couple points that stood out to me. How do we experience truth? Very simple we read the Bible. We begin to read the Bible. We begin to feed on the Bible. We try to make it a daily thing in our lives. And I know a lot of you do this, if not daily, almost daily. Um, but that is an essential thing if we are going to enter into true worship. We need to read the Bible. We need to believe the Bible. We need to accept that it is truth and that it is authoritative in our lives. The Bible needs to be the authoritative, uh, what, what would you say? It's, it's, the, it's the, the line, you know, that, that's the line. The standard in our life has to be the Bible. Right now, in this country, I think we need this more than ever. I think we need it more than ever. For Christians to hold to the Word of God and believe the Word of God because there's so much stuff going on out there and it's good and it sounds good, it looks good, it seems to be good, but it isn't always in alignment with the Bible. So how do we get stay in alignment with the Bible but not become sort of pharisaical jerks 
who are pointing our finger and condemning everybody. How do we do that? That's where we need the Spirit. But reading the Bible, feeding on the Word daily. You know, we all, I ate breakfast this morning. I'm guessing you did too. And uh, probably going to eat lunch today. We feed our physical body. We need to feed our spiritual body. And we do that by reading the Bible, by meditating on the Bible, by doing everything we can, listening to tapes and doing whatever is necessary. And then applying it in our life. Applying it. I remember once my younger brother, I was just starting to read the Bible. I'd read somewhere in Romans that it said if somebody does bad to you, don't do bad to them, but be good to them, love them. And it puts burning coals on their head. It's like it puts burning coals on their head. And my brother came up one day and he said, I'm so mad at dad. You know, dad did this and did that. And, and I, I, I don't know what I should do, you know. And I remember looking at him and I had just read that verse. So I was applying the Bible and I said, well, why don't you just go down and be nice to him? The Bible says then that burning coals will be put on his head, not on your head, you know. And I still remember my brother's words to me. He said, I'm going to get out of here before I listen to you. And he went out, and I was kind of like, wow, I wasn't used to giving out biblical, uh, you know, advice to people. So we need to apply the Word of God. Second thing we need to do to experience truth is to balance two truths. We need to balance two truths within Christianity. Those two truths are, first, I'm a child of God. I'm forgiven. I'm redeemed. I'm more than a conqueror. You know, I am, I am a, a son of God, a daughter of God. That's the first thing. And the second one is, I'm a sinner. I'm broken. I can't do it myself. It's balancing those two truths. Could we put up that first slide back there? I got my excellent crew here. The first one, I sort of think of the faith movement. I've never been a member of the faith movement. I've been exposed to it a lot. Uh, and I've met some wonderful people who love God who are in the faith movement. But I've never fully gotten on board and said, yes, that's, you know. But people in the faith movement tend to really stress that truth. I'm a child of God. I'm a son of God. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm more than a conqueror. You know, I, you know, I am... You know, a warrior for Christ. Uh, I know what God said. I heard the Lord. I know what God is telling us right now. And I'm going to tell you what it is. Let me pray for you. Let me heal that sickness right now. You know, those kind of people with that tremendous emphasis on that side of all those true things, what they're saying is true, and the emphasis is so much over there it creates a tension. Imagine a clothesline. You know, none of us have clotheslines anymore, so this is a, probably a bad example. I, I'm sure Paul still has one. No, I'm kidding. But if we have a, a, a clothesline and we keep pulling it tighter and tighter, eventually what can happen is what we see up there in the slide. The tension is too tight. You know, so we, I am a victor. I'm a conqueror. I got this. Jesus is with me. 
and I'm not going to cow down and be weak because, I, because He's given me the victory over Satan and sin and death. And I, you know, if you live there, I just want to suggest to you that maybe that rope is going to get too tight at some point because you live on that, in that place. Um, in Lamentations chapter 4, verse 2, uh, Tessa had this in the bulletin this week, this scripture. It says, see how precious, see how the precious children of Jerusalem, worth their weight in gold, fine gold, are now treated like pots of clay made by a common potter. Lamentations 4, verse 2. What stood out to me when I read that about a week ago is how the precious children of Jerusalem worth their weight in fine gold. And that's who you are. That's who I am. We are the precious children of God. And we are worth our weight in fine gold. I did a calculation this week. If you weighed 150 pounds, you would be worth over three, 150 pounds of gold worth your weight, 150 pounds of gold, would cost, would be over $3.1 million. So that's a lot. If you're a 150 pounder, if you're, if you're me, you're probably up about six or seven million. <laughs> but you know, even that, even the million, a few million you're worth, doesn't begin to say it. All, all it is though, it's God saying to us, is you are worth your weight. Bread in fine gold. Not just any gold. Fine, purified, refined. The best that we know. And gold is a very valuable thing. It's a standard. So, in a way, it's right for us to say I'm a victor. I'm a conqueror. You know, I, I got this. You know, uh, uh, what, what's he preaching about? I already know that. I've read my Bible so many times. I don't need to hear what he's saying. You know, if we live in that, that tension becomes too tight. And it can break. But we don't abandon that. We don't abandon those truths. They're, they're true. That's who we are. We need to have confidence in God that God can work through us and does work through us. Now we've got to keep that in balance with the second one. Um, could you put that up, Ron? Thank you. The second uh, truth is I'm a sinner, I'm broken. I can't. I can't do it. Man, I'm, I've failed so many times. How could God ever forgive me? How could I ever go back to my wife again and ask her to forgive me? Oh, it's been so many times. She's never going to forgive me. I've tried to be a Christian. I've just failed. You know, a lot of our rehab centers around in Pennsylvania are filled with people who live like this. They're way over on this side. And what happens if the tension on that clothesline becomes so loose, stuff is hanging down in the middle, it can actually get to where it's dragging on the ground and it's working against you. Or it can get to the point where the wind is whipping it around and because it's got so much slack, clothes are just blowing off of it. And that's what can happen to our lives. Paul talked about our sinfulness in Romans chapter 3, verse 10 to 12. 
He said this, Romans 3, verse 10 to 12. He said, as the scriptures say, no one is righteous. Not even one. No one is truly wise. No one is seeking God. All have turned away. All have become useless. No one does good. Not a single one. So this is the other side of the coin from, you know, I got it all together and I'm more than a conqueror and Jesus made me righteous and I don't have any condemnation. And The other side of it is, man, you know what? Even on my best day and my best effort, I need God. If it's left up to me, I am not going to have enough whatever to do it. I need God in my life. So we want to keep a balance there. You want your clothesline, can you put up the third one, Ron? You want your clothesline to be sort of in the middle there. We hold to these two truths. We hold to the truth that you're a, you're a daughter of God and you're precious and you're valuable. And we hold also to the truth of man, Jesus, if you hadn't saved me, I would be in the gutter somewhere. I would be in a rehab center myself probably if you hadn't saved me. And we try to keep those two things in balance. If we don't hold to the truth that we're incredible people that are worth our weight in gold, if we don't hold to that, we may not do many mighty works of faith in our life. We might not have the faith to believe that we can God can use me to be a Gideon or to do something in his kingdom. And if we don't hold to the other truth, the truth that, yeah, my, I'm sorry, my bad. That was my fault totally. If we don't hold to that side, we may find that we have trouble in our relationships in life because we don't know how to say sorry and humble ourselves. So, you get what I'm saying? tracking with me, that we, there's a balance there. And besides taking in the Word of God, that balance of those two truths is just one other thing that helps us to um, walk in spirit and truth which releases uh, worship, to walk in truth. Let me talk for a few minutes about walking in the Spirit. How do we experience the Spirit? How, how we experience the Word of God. I'm sorry, guys. I'm trying to pull this together as I'm talking. As we experience the word, the, the truth by reading the Bible, taking in the Bible, and we also experience truth by walking in this balance, always holding to the fact that I am God's son and always holding to the fact that, man, I'm a sinner. I need Jesus. Always keeping those two things in balance. But we also want to walk and experience the Spirit. We want to experience the Holy Spirit. And these are some thoughts I have on that. These are not exhaustive either. Number one, if we want to experience the Spirit of God in our lives in 2021 in Lebanon, Pennsylvania, we need to fill our tank with truth. Same as experiencing truth, we need to t fill our tank with truth. We need to feed on the truth. We need to apply it. Because I believe our sensitivity to perceive the impulses of the Spirit 
depends on the intake or the lack of intake that we're having. I believe if we are taking in truth into ourselves, we're more spiritually alert and sensitive. You know, God is working. Jesus said in the Gospel of John, my Father is working all the time, and so am I. That means God's working today. He's working in our lives. But where is He, and how do we see Him? As we take in the Word of God, feed on it, chew it over, we are more spiritually alert. Uh, that, 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 that's a big thing there. Just as a fire, how do you keep a fire going? You add fuel to the fire. You know, it's possible you can have a real small fire and you take a huge log and throw it on and it just crushes the fire out and it's out. Wrong amount of fuel, wrong time, you know. But then by putting the right fuel on, the fire begins to burn. You put on the right fuel at the right time. And that's what the Word of God does. It fuels the fire within us. It makes us able to discern, oh, I should go talk to that guy. You know, maybe, maybe this, just, this isn't what happened right now, but maybe, like, I'll have this thought in my mind, you should go talk to Tim Williams after the service. You know, and it might just be a thought like that. So is that me or is that the Holy Spirit? What I'm saying is, as we read the Bible more, as we make sure we're stoking the fire in us, we're more likely to be able to discern those things and feel, boy, I just really feel I need to go to talk to Tim. So here comes Laura. She wants to talk to me after the service, and I go, just a minute, I, I need to talk to Tim, you know, and I try to go. You guys know this stuff. The second way to follow the Spirit besides stoking we experience the Spirit by doing just what I said. We listen and we respond. We listen and we respond. It's a weird thing, but for me, sometimes it's at the gas station where I experience this, of all things. Because it's like all of a sudden I'll be at a gas station and maybe I stop to get coffee and I'm not even at the gas pump. I get in my car and I get ready to go and suddenly I'll just have this feeling, get gas now. And if I do that, usually I find out later on, you know, that was really right that I got gas in that moment. Otherwise, I didn't know we were leaving as soon as I got home. We would have been late because I would have had to get gas first. And I've noticed that sometimes when I don't follow that feeling, that leading, sometimes it's just the opposite. I'll go, oh my goodness. I should have got gas earlier. I had that thought in, that I should have got it earlier. I believe that's how God speaks to us. He speaks to us. He speaks to all of us. My sheep know my voice, it says in John 10, verse 27. You guys know his voice. And the exciting thing about that is listening and then responding. And, uh, you know, the other day I was listening to Truth FM Radio 93.1 and the preacher on the radio was saying, the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. I agree with that. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman. God doesn't shout at us. I agree with that. God doesn't shout at us. It's, sometimes it's just, a, it's just a thought. It's a, a feeling. I can override it. But what we want to do is learn to walk in the Spirit. 
Because truth and spirit together will release us into worship, the presence of God. So, so God doesn't yell at us. Or does he? I want to, if you, we won't read it now, but if you read 2 Chronicles chapter 33, and I think it's verses 1 to 20, somewhere in there, it's the story of King Manasseh. And Manasseh was a evil king. The Bible's very clear. He was an idolater. He, he went into the temple of God and he built an idol in the temple of God. He told the people of Israel to, um, he told them, uh, stop worshiping God. Let's worship these other gods. He promoted that. At one point, it says that he took his sons and sacrificed them to a deity. He, you know, he did everything. And all along in that Second Chronicles chapter 33, prophets are coming to him. And the prophets of God are saying, you need to repent, you need to change. And he doesn't receive the word. He doesn't listen. He keeps on his course. He's like on this, he's, this, this tension is getting tighter and he's saying, you know, I'm the king. I know what is best. I have an understanding of religion. I am, you know, I'll do what I want to do. He's acting like a king. And then finally, what happens is the Lord allows an enemy army to come in and they conquer the city, they destroy everything, and they take Manasseh prisoner and they take him out of his country. Could you imagine being taken out of the United States to some foreign land and set down somewhere in a farm and said, okay, this is where you're going to live now and you're going to work on this farm. What a devastating thing. So it says... In 2 Chronicles 33, verse 12 and 13, I'll read those two verses. It says, And when he was in distress, this is talking about Manasseh, when he was in distress, it wasn't when someone spoke to him about it, told him you shouldn't do this, it wasn't when he read the scripture, but it was finally when he was in distress. It was like God was shouting at him. The Holy Spirit was was not being a gentleman. I'm going to let you suffer to the edge of hell because I want, I'm calling you back to myself. So it says there that when he was in distress, he entreated the favor of the Lord his God and humbled himself greatly before the God of his fathers. Best thing he ever did. He got on that other rope, that rope that I'm a sinner. He humbled himself greatly. He acknowledged there's two truths here that I need to hold in tension. And he prayed to the Lord. And God was moved by his entreaty and heard his plea and brought him again to Jerusalem into his kingdom. He came back and he became the king again. He got up off the ground. And it says, then Manasseh knew that the Lord was God. Then he knew, he knew it. God lifted me up off the ground and he took me back and I'm the king again. And if you read in that story, if you read what goes on, he started changing everything. He started reforming everything. He, he, he was acting like a good king when he came back and he was getting the people to seek the Lord. So how do we 
experience the Spirit. One way is by stoking the fire within us with the fuel of the Word of God. And the other way is by just by listening and then acting upon what the Lord is saying. I loved when Matt was here and we did those pink slips, even though I was one of the most unfaithful people in doing the pink slips. But I loved it because Matt would have us go out and encounter someone in the Spirit. Something would happen in the Spirit that we would follow through, and then we'd come back and we'd write, you know, what happened, and we'd put those up out on the, on the board outside, on, on a notice board. And uh, there were many things that God was doing. So it's listening and responding to the Spirit. As we respond to the voice or the impulse of the Spirit, we are sometimes rewarded by evidence that it was God who was speaking to us and leading us. This electrifies our faith. It's like, wow, that was God. You know, I prayed in the morning and I felt this, and then I did this, and wow, that was God. And that gets you jacked up because all of a sudden you realize that's the Spirit. That is the Spirit, and that electrifies our faith, and that makes us want more. So there's a cycle. This is the last thing I'll say. I'm going to close right here. But when our faith is vitalized or electrified by the presence of God, by God working in our life, our worship becomes heartfelt. We want to worship Him. And the presence of God becomes real. This fuels a hunger for truth, which makes us, and, and we feed it with the Word. And this makes us spiritually sensitive and aware of the acts of God in our life which in turn releases more worship. So it's truth, it's spirit, it's worship. And as we worship him, we're hungry and we want truth, we want spirit, and we want worship. And it keeps going. It's like a cycle, on and on and on. So Father, thank you today. Thank you today uh, that we are sons and daughters of God, that we are the righteousness of God in and through Christ Jesus. We don't have to earn it. Lord, we thank you that in spite of the fact that like that first song, second song that we sang today, that, that I have sinned many times, I have fallen flat and I've disappointed you and people many times. You haven't cast me aside like Manasseh. You've picked me up and you brought me back into my kingship, whatever that looks like. We thank you, Lord, for the word of God, that when you left this planet, you didn't leave us alone, but you left the Bible, and it is food for our life. It is direction for our life. And we thank you that the Spirit of God lives within us, that the Holy Spirit is within us. We thank you, too, for that. Lord, you're glorious, you're wonderful. Help us, Lord, to walk in spirit and, tr and in truth as cornerstone and release, be, being released into worship more and more. In Jesus' name we pray.